We acknowledge the Gadigal people, who are the traditional owners of the country on which we record, and honour their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present. Our cyber criminal ring, led by a Florida teenager who was 17, managed to coerce a Twitter employee to give up credentials to administration accounts and a whole lot of other things. So this cyber criminal gang were able to um, take over accounts and used it in a Bitcoin promotional scam. This is Yvette Legends, a former Chief Information Security Officer and current CISO in residence at Proofpoint. She's talking about a cyber attack aimed at Twitter, which happened in 2020. It was big news and extremely embarrassing for Twitter. So you like to think that a company like Twitter might have some good robust policies and tools in place, but this wasn't the case. In the end, $117,000 was stolen from customers. So, you know, Twitter's a big name and the brand damage to Twitter is phenomenal. They can probably absorb $117,000 to, to give back to their customers, but the brand damage is far bigger. And, you know, we often see, you know, share prices dropping aligned with well-known compromises. I'm Katie Finlayson. Welcome to Hackable Me, the podcast that dives into the murky world of cybercrime. This season, we're looking at the costs of cybercrime. In the first episode, we focused on what it costs criminals to launch an attack. Today, we're talking about businesses and the different costs they face if they find themselves at the centre of a cyber attack. When it comes to attacks on businesses, there's a few different methods that criminals use, which we spoke about in episode one, including ransomware and being an insider. But what are the impacts for a business who fall victim to these attacks? Look, there's a lot of hidden monetary costs with any ransomware attack. First of all, um, it's the downtime of the business, and you can sort of probably understand if a business is taken offline, you know, how long that business um, might take to recover and the, and the financial impact of that. But there's also other impacts as well, like you've got to think about all the people that you have to bring on board to help you recover, and they might not necessarily be people in your business. You might need to call on third parties with experience to help you do that. Then there's the cost of paying the ransom, if that's what the business decides to do. And ransomware can be huge. It can be tens of millions of dollars that they, um, cyber criminals are asking for. There's also regulatory and compliance costs as well. Perhaps it's impacted the privacy legislation or GDPR where you've actually got to pay a percentage of your revenue towards fines. So it's not just a one-off cost. So you can sort of see how this is all, this is all adding up. The costs build up. The business is out of action, so no profit. It's potentially paying a huge ransom. There might be fines to be paid for losing people's personal information. Then there's the reputational cost. We've seen so many cases of where share prices for companies have dropped once they've sustained a, a ransomware attack because it's a trust element there. Cyber security is about trust and having control of your business. As Yvette mentioned at the start, a company like Twitter can often carry the cost of an attack, but the sudden drop in the public's trust can have a more significant impact. These attacks are only growing in frequency, which has created a bit of a trend. Ransomware is lucrative for a cyber criminal. You know, companies and businesses are now being seen as paying ransomware. According to the ABC in July 2021, 30% of businesses are actually paying the ransom. So, you know, if people are paying the ransom, then why wouldn't you give it a shot? As the frequency of attacks goes up, criminals become more brazen and greedy, which leads us to what Vet calls double dipping. 
Originally, ransomware attacks used to just encrypt your files on, say, your desktop or your laptop. And, you know, it morphed and changed to infiltrate your networks and so forth. But now, when I say double dipping, what's happening is the cyber criminals are encrypting and asking for a ransom on your laptop, but they're also, where they can, they're exfiltrating out your data. So they're taking up to terabytes of data out, and within that, that could be your HR files, you know, sensitive data. And then what they're doing is they're posting on the dark web that they've got this data, and then they're doing drops of feeds to prove to you that they've got the data, and then they're asking for another ransom as well. Nobody wants their um, sensitive information of their company exposed like this, so it's a world of pain for any organisation that's in this space as well. And when one company finds themselves at the centre of an attack, anyone who lives in their orbit can potentially find themselves falling victim as well, as the attack sets off a domino-like effect across the business community. You know, you've got to appreciate that no company is an island. Like a virus, the attack can spread from the first victim and follow every line leading to external vendors, business partners, clients, anyone with a connection of any sort to the original company. This is what is known as a supply chain attack. And it's one of the most common forms of cyber attacks in the business world. There's interdependencies everywhere. And even um, a small company may have hundreds of different suppliers or relationships they need to, in order to be able to do business. And when you're talking about the bigger organisation, you know, this, is, this could be thousands and thousands. So with each of these supplier relationships, there's going to be a weakest link. Attackers find that weak link and target it. That's their way in. According to Proofpoint's 2020 State of the Fish report, attackers were more active in 2021 compared with the previous year, with 78% of organisations encountering email-based ransomware attacks and 77% facing business email compromise attacks. Attacks were more successful, with 83% of organisations experiencing a successful email-based phishing attack in 2021, up from 57% from the previous year. At the start of 2021, Proofpoint conducted a study where for over seven days, 3,000 companies in the US, UK and Australia were monitored. And we were incredibly alarmed by the findings. 90% of companies received a threat from a supply domain. And in Australia, this, this was actually every single one of the companies. That was 100%. So we're seeing these threats playing out as phishing attacks, and they're after logging credentials or doing what we call the business email compromise, which is what I was sort of speaking about before when they might perpetrate, say, invoicing or um, frauds of that nature. When it comes to supply chain attacks, the important thing that all businesses need to remember is that no matter how safe you might be in terms of cybersecurity, if you're working with another company that doesn't have good safety measures in place, you could end up falling victim to an attack. If you have a supply chain, you've got to make sure that the people that you're dealing with are adopting appropriate cybersecurity measures. Malcolm Turnbull is the former Prime Minister of Australia. Since leaving politics, he has become increasingly involved in the cybersecurity space. For example, if you're a, a company, you know, a business, and you have very good cybersecurity, but you have an accounting firm or a law firm that you're dealing with that doesn't, all of your hard work will be will be undermined by the people that you're dealing with's failure to provide suitable cybersecurity. So if you are going to have a trusted relationship with somebody, 
you should be entitled to say, tell me what you're doing about cybersecurity. How can I be sure that my information, my data is going to be protected when I'm dealing with you? And one of the things I used to do when I was PM and indeed before that was I would say to chief executives, you know, do you know who your system administrator is? Or do you know who has administrative privileges in your company over your computer network? And, you know, invariably the answer would be they didn't. So there is a need for heightened awareness of cybersecurity and at the board senior management level. You know, it's not something that you... You, you, you don't expect your chief executive, you know, to be a cybersecurity professional necessarily. Probably wouldn't do any harm if, if more of them were, of course. But the you do, it's got to be something that is not just left to the IT department, if you like. It's something that everyone's got to be aware of and make sure that there is very senior attention being paid to it. A good example of a company not staying on top of their cybersecurity is the story of Australian hedge fund Levitas Capital, who fell victim to an attack a few years ago. They had little protection in place, they had inadequate mail protection, limited user training, call processes, there were red flags everywhere. It all started with a Zoom meeting link emailed to one of the hedge fund founders. They opened the email, clicked on the link, and just like that, the malicious software was planted. From there, the attackers had control of the corporate email. So the attackers could then read all the inside information. They then proceeded to act like representatives of the Vars company. And the cyber criminals established a relationship with their fund manager, Apex. And so began the authorizations. They successfully got $1.2 million transferred of funds. And that's great, you know, they think they made a lot of money, but you know, as cyber criminals are, they like to go back for more. So a week later they did and $2.5 million was sent to the Bank of China and a further $5 million was sent to East Grand Trading in Singapore. Again, the money was approved for transfer, but um, luckily one of the founders noticed the $8 million missing and stopped the final two transactions, but still $1.2 million had gone. This actually led to the downfall and the company being no longer. Around the time this attack happened, the company had been about to receive an additional $16 million investment. But once the investing group heard about the attack, they pulled their existing investment out and the hedge fund collapsed. All because of one email. A vet says there were plenty of red flags before the attack, and had the company had more security measures in place, they might not have been so exposed. Often, These supply chain attacks come in the form of an invoice. They'll watch carefully, learn the language used between a company and client, and then, when they're ready, they'll send an invoice that looks 100% realistic. Because there's a trusted relationship with Business A, they might say, hey, look, paying this invoice here, just please use this link because we're changing our processing protocols. And sure enough, Business A then will pay the, let's say, $10,000 bill, and uh, you never see the money again. Another threat companies can face is from people working for them, known as insider attacks. These stories are all too common within the business world. There's a really famous case right here in Australia, in Queensland, in fact, and it, it deals with Marutali Shire sewage spill, and this happened in 2000. And what happened is a disgruntled employee made 46 separate attacks, releasing hundreds of thousands of gallons of raw sewage into public waterways. So quite 
horrendous. Just the double whammy on it too is <laughs> he sought to win the contract to clean it up, the very pollution he created as well. So, you know, tax can take place in any kind of business, in any kind of environment, you know, and, and every time there's a big attack, half the time I've never heard of the company yet, what has happened has had such huge ramifications and an impact as well. As we spoke about in the previous episode, these kind of insider attacks are becoming more frequent and more costly for organisations. So how does a business protect themselves against these types of internal attacks? They've got to be firstly identifying who has administrative privileges, right, and make sure that those people are worthy of the trust that is reposed in them. I always used to say, you know, you've got risks from software, risks from hardware, but it's the warmware that is likely to create the biggest problem. In other words, the people. So that's very important. I think you've also got to make sure that, you know, there is proper practices. I mean, do you allow, and I would say you shouldn't, but do you allow people to insert external drives into any of your company's computers? What is your policy about you know, exchanging data from the company's system, its servers, to private accounts. A lot of the cyber risk can be eliminated by simply adopting good practice, good housekeeping practice. And ultimately, that's going to deal with a lot of the challenges, but you're always vulnerable to more sophisticated attacks. You know, you can't be 100% proof, particularly if you're, if, obviously, if you're connected to the internet. But the, you can mitigate those risks considerably by sensible procedures. Companies can put in place solid cybersecurity measures, which can lead to more security for other businesses they work with, and often for the general public. But what responsibility do governments have? Malcolm Turnbull says there are things they can do, but... They can't do everything. I mean, the government can obviously provide leadership. The government's got a big megaphone, you know, particularly prime ministers and ministers have a big megaphone so they can get messages across, raise awareness. They can also, you know, provide particular attention to critical infrastructure, telecom networks, NBN, energy networks and so forth. But ultimately, you can't do everything. So I think governments have an important role to play, but there is no substitute for people, whether they are consumers managing their affairs on their smartphone or whether they're running a big company with complex global interests, there's no substitute for awareness and paying attention to your own cybersecurity. The Australian government recently passed the Critical Infrastructure Bill, which basically outlined what areas were considered critical infrastructure, such as pipelines, internet providers, electricity providers, power stations, and imposed on them tighter rules about their digital security measures. While Turnbull was no longer in politics when it was passed, he was there for the early planning of the bill. Back in um, 2015, 2016, it became obvious to me and to the government that we did not have a clear view of what was critical infrastructure. There was no register, there was no list but what is critical infrastructure? I think the important thing is first to identify it and then to ensure that you're making informed decisions about investment and also that you're able to 
ensure that the operators of that infrastructure are, have got appropriate programs to provide the necessary cyber security. In the absence of that, you'll inevitably find uh, people will be complacent. This is important because, as we spoke about in episode one, cyber criminals are starting to set their eyes on bigger targets, which can bring them much bigger rewards. Last year, we saw a power station in Queensland come under attack. Then there was the Colonial Pipeline attack, and also an attack on the world's largest meatpacking company, JBS. These larger targets can have an impact on the general public as well as the companies. And from the attacker's point of view, these companies are more likely to pay up in order to keep their systems online. By protecting themselves, businesses protect the rest of us. And that means being vigilant. Make sure that you, if you're the boss and your team, are acutely aware of what your vulnerabilities are. Do not be complacent if you have a provider you know, contracted party that is, you know, providing security services for you. Do not treat it as a tick and flick referral. Make sure you understand what they're doing and make sure that if you're paying them, get them to educate you. You know, don't just pay them to do the job. There is no room for set and forget with respect to cyber security because your adversaries are every bit as agile and clever and innovative as your people are. <laughs> you know, people can be agile, creative, innovative, and bad. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're morally good. So you've got people who are trying to steal your property, trying to extort money from you, trying to disrupt your services, and they're smart. So don't ever think they're dumb. They're really smart. And so you've got to make sure that you're smart on them and stay one step ahead of them. About 85% of attacks come by email. So a vet says that's a good place to start. Having great email protection is super important because if we know that that's 85% of the attacks, then that's what we need to do. And those attacks are targeting people. So when we look at that people-centric side of things, we need to think about well, you know, how can I best protect this? If this is where the main threat factor is, what can I do? So, you know, investing in training, making sure you've got robust security control, doing the good hygiene stuff of an organisation too, making sure your patching's up to date so vulnerabilities can't be exploited. Because if there's targeting your people and somebody's clicked on something and you've got a vulnerability that they're trying to exploit, that's it. It could be it could be launching anything. So Definitely looking at your hygiene, making sure that you know what users are using accounts on your systems. This is whether you're big or little. It makes a lot of sense. Investing in your people, making sure they're getting the right training and know what to do if something goes wrong could help your company avoid a situation like the one Twitter faced. I call it, you know, the human firewall. It's your last layer of defence. You've got layer upon layer of technology and process controls. But at the end of the day, if something nasty gets through all those layers, you're relying on your people to be able to be observant. So security training isn't ever going to be a one-off thing. We know that it's needing to constantly evolve all the time. It's going to be a fundamental core of of what an organisation has to do in their training program for a long time. And that's, as I spoke about before, you know, the cyber criminals are pivoting all the time. So we really need to keep are people well across threats and the risks and knowing what they need to do? It's people, right? I mean, the security of your 
network depends on a whole bunch of things, but it depends in particular on people that you place great trust in. Now, that may be your systems administrator, maybe the person who has got all of those administrative privileges that can see everyone's passwords, that can create passwords, that can create, you know, it's got all of the keys to the kingdom, if you like, but it can also be somebody that you just hired yesterday who is silly enough to click on a, an attachment that unleashes some malware into your network. So ultimately, you've got to invest the time to make sure that the trust you are reposing in the people that are working for you, particularly in sensitive areas, is warranted. That's right. I mean, someone can be, someone can be absolutely the best, most honest, decent person in the world, but if they are careless, they can do a lot of damage. In the next episode, we hear from Sanjay, who suddenly found himself at the centre of an attack worth thousands of dollars. I'm Katie Finlayson, and this is Hackable Me. My thanks to my guests, Malcolm Turnbull and Yvette Legends. Find the full series on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hackable Me was produced by Just Global and Audiocraft. Music is from Epidemic Sound. Find out more about how you can protect yourself and your organisation from cyber attacks. Visit proofpoint.com slash hackableme.